Welcome to Toy Talk with Dr. Tasha Toy, a talk show with probative interviews about relationships, self-care, and so much more. No batteries included. It's time for Toy Talk. Here's Dr. Tasha Toy. Greetings, this is Dr. Tasha Toy, and welcome to Toy Talk, the experience that you have been waiting for. We are on our second series of this uh, year, and we thank you for joining us again I am happy and elated to join or welcome to our wonderful experience, Miss, excuse me, Dr. Karen Reed Hendon. Hello, St. George. Whoop, whoop, St. George. And we have a special guest all the way from the other coast. Karen's on the east. That means he's what? On the west, Mr. Tyshawn Jones. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. And welcome, everybody. Hi, Ty. Hi, Ty. Well, the purpose today, we are going to do something a little different. The topic is going to be, it's all, it is all Greek to me. I am honored to have three members of the Black Greek Letter Organization, also known as the Panhellenic Council or organizations, together. Um, Recently, there was an unfortunate uh, incident that happened with one of our members, and it got me to start thinking. Um, The question that I often get in higher ed has been, why did I join a Greek Letter Organization? And when this type of news hits the airways, why, why do I stay? with my organization. So that's going to be the purpose of our episode for today. We're going to talk about Black Greek Letter Organizations then, now, and what is our purpose for tomorrow. And this is the time that I would like to extend to my guests to share about their Greek letter experience, where they're from, how long they've been in said organization, and anything else they would like to share at this moment. Who would like to go first? So I volunteer as tribute. (laughs) I'm <laughs> <will go> first. <laughs> so I am a member of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. Mm-hmm. I have been a member of my organization since 2003. I joined uh, Rho Sigma Chapter, which is one of the anchor uh, chapters in uh, my region. And um, it's been a wonderful experience. I was very blessed to come into the organization with five other phenomenal women. These are my line sisters. And it's been just love ever since. Sigma was founded in uh, Butler University in Indianapolis, Indiana, in November 12, 1922. Uh, We have over 85,000 members. Uh, We have um, membership across the globe, including the Bahamas, Bermuda, the Virgin Islands, Canada, Germany, and Korea. Uh, We've done a number of different uh, service activities for people. Uh, One operation book bag with helping to get school supplies to those who are in need. We savers, so starting early with teaching about uh, financial literacy, um, Project Reassurance, Habitat for Humanity, just a number of different um, service activities that we've done. Our commitment to service is expressed in our slogan, Greater Service, Greater Progress. So it's something that we value, we believe in it, and we try to mirror that um, in all the things that we do. 
Thank you very much. And I would like to also, what is the the little thing that you always say about your wonderful organization when it comes to age among us? Last created, best designed. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> She a hater, y'all. She a hater. I am. I am. I am. <laughs> and who's next? Are we going to have a rep from a male? Yes. All so, right. Um, I'm a member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Uh, my organization was founded January 9th, 1914 at Howard University. We also have chapters of relations throughout the world. Um, our model and everything we do is expressed in our, 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 our model, um, culture for service and service for humanity. Um, we're entering a phase with our with our new leadership and board to continue to make a positive impact on our, our community, um, whether it's through um, various programs with Watch Dive that are making money for cancer society, whether it's working with our lo local communities through um, churches and schools and the work that we do, whether it's um, through our youth affiliation program, the Sigma Beta Club that we've had since 1915, where we um, work towards uh, mentoring and providing the skills needed for our young youth to become conscious men. Um, we are the one organization that has a constitutionally bounded sister organization, Beta Phi Beta, so already incorporated. I like how you just um, added that them. in there right. like that, yeah. Right. Just, just, just to slide that in. Yes. I got a slide in. Love for my sister. Hint. So the only one. Okay. Okay, <laughs> keep it going. Keep it going. The only one. Mm -hmm. It's on paper. Uh, and honestly, you know, it's from, from my view, you know, I've had a wonderful 12 years experience within the organization. I need to pay my life membership fees soon. Um, but um, <laughs> either way, great networking, great service. Um, a lot of the, there's a lot of great storytelling within our organization and, our, and the history of the African American population in the world. We've been underpinnings of a lot of great social movements, mm -hmm. um, civil rights movements that mm -hmm. not often talked about, but it's known mm -hmm. well across the world. True. And hey, if something's going on that, that's impacting our lives, signals are involved in some way, shape, or form, and it's a great organization. Yes, it is a great organization, uh, Ty, and I have to give a, a shout-out. I have to, Karen is the only that I know, Sigma Gamma Row friend that I have. Ty is, I would consider a new friend, but I have to give a shout-out to my big brother, Sekou, who is, who taught me the ways of uh, Phi Beta Sigma. Uh, we are both alums of nccu so he taught me many things about gamma gamma at north carolina central university <laughs> you, you notice how i just ran just rolled off a tongue okay all right uh -huh. so i guess we're leaving the oldest in both ways and the finest and the greatest the the mother of them all literally i am a proud <laughs> member of I said it, not taking it back, of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. We were founded January 15th, 1908. We just celebrated 11, 111 years of service to mankind. Uh, we were founded at Howard University. And uh, our incorporation is another celebration that we like to um, highlight will be taking place on January the 29th of this month, obviously. And... Uh, 
we were founded by a group of 16 young ladies by Ethel Hedgeman Lyle. And the thing about it is she was the first who came up with the idea. We were the first black Greek letter organization founded by four um, black women. But we have expanded our reach to encompass all ladies that support our service. We have uh, 1,024 chapters throughout United States and other countries. We have 300,000 women that serve under our banner, and we're so proud of that. And uh, we currently have our um, international president, Dr. Glenda Glover. She's also the president at uh, Tennessee State University, so she does have that connection to higher ed. Um, I have been in this organization since 2000, um, so I guess I am also the the elder of the three of us. I got my phone. Yes. Yeah. Let me turn to the left. Do you see it? Okay. Uh, and um, I think of the three, I'm also, and please correct me, I am a legacy, meaning that my mother is also a member of this wonderful organization, and she introduced me to it. And it's a wonderful thing to have your mother or have another family member because you get to share and do different things and experience this another realm of sisterhood and family together. So I think that would be another thing that I'm really proud that my mother and I can share together in all the work that we've done. We have done a lot of things. I think all of us do something about food insecurities and also mm-hmm. mentorship and scholarship. Those are the things that is very common thread through all of this. But that I'm not going to really jump into that because we are a little bit behind schedule and I want to pick up just a little bit of talking about our past. We did uh, do the, the uh, Wikipedia version of our histories. You think I didn't know, but I, I noticed the readings. But here's the thing. <laughs> the one thing that we all have in common is that we all abide by three things, which is scholarship, service, sisterhood, brotherhood. But we just mm-hmm. do it in different ways. And is there anything else that you think would be beneficial to the group when it comes to really telling our story? Um, The one I would venture to, let me ask this question of the two of you. Okay. I have always been asked since we were the, AK was the first, fine. We're great, we're wonderful and dandy. Why did we have other organizations come behind after the first Mm -hmm. were started? And do we step on each other's toes or infringe on out, outreach as we're moving forward in the work that we're doing internationally? Anybody want to answer that question for me? Do we step so, on each other's toes? If you answer the second part first, mm-hmm. there's always a belief that you have a greater strength in numbers. Correct. So just because one organization is participating in a certain activity doesn't mean that other organizations can't participate as well. True. We are bounded by our National Tenant Political Council that allows mm-hmm. us and afford us the opportunity to work as one united Black Greek letter organization to carry on different service projects. But it also shows the unity and the love that we have for each other. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't, there's, there's never one organization that says, um, I do this in this such a way and I fit everybody into it. Not mm-hmm. everybody will fit into that one box. True. You know, and, and it's enough that it's like, hey, I like what you're doing. I like your style. I like your flow. But there's something that's in the makeup of the organization that doesn't truly fit me. 
I want to be able to branch that off into another organization that kind of suits my needs. And, and that's what you have a lot within our sororities and fraternities where, hey, you're not going to be able to appeal and appease to everyone. You know, yeah. it's great it's great that the, the Sigma Gamma Rows are the last ones that branched off and they haven't branched off another one since then. So maybe we have the right right totality of organizations that black women can align themselves to. You yeah. Know? So that's my viewpoint. So just to kind of piggyback off of what you said, Ty, um, you're right in that we are able to do things in greater numbers than by ourselves. But there is a, a network that is incredible just among the Divine Nine. It is. Um, if, if you know someone is doing a service project in one area and you have skills that can support that, they'll look for you. Yeah. And we just... We just tend to be really good about being able to make those connections across the board, no matter how big or how small your organization may be. I agree. I agree. I think, well, I know that for the discussions that have happened within my sorority of, you know, we're the first, we're the greatest. But then, of course, you get other people said, well, if you were so great, why did they have to start more? But I would I venture to say there's not a one size fit all. And, and it, it never has been. Yeah. And it never will be. You know, we um, in higher ed, we always talk about the um, snowflakes, you know. I think mm -hmm. these organizations were a nice catalyst for the snowflakes. Before we go any further, I would like to also share that the comments that we are sharing are not, we are not smokes, spokespeople for our organizations in any form or fashion. These are our opinions about different aspects of the Greek life or the Black Greek letter organizations that we are members of and looking at it as a landscape on what's going on. So please understand this is not, we are not spokespeople. So please don't email us and ask us questions or said, or go to and say they said this because we are not I am saying one more time, spokespersons for our respective organizations. Thank you. Yes. Now, moving on, um, we're talking about our history. We talk about our outreach and how we're doing what we're supposed to be doing and how we're really um, snowflakes, the original snowflakes after 100 years for some, going to be 100 years for others. We might be mm -hmm. here to see that. Um, yeah. The thing about it is... Uh, with most organizations, colleges, uh, I, Fortune 500, Blue uh, Chip um, organizations and corporations, because black BGLOs is what we're going to call them, are corporations with branches. Yes. There are struggles. There are struggles with it at all times. So I want to take a look. And like I said, the thing that really prompted me to ask, you know, are we doing good by each other and for our communities was an incident that happened with another organization. But um, for discussion purposes and to keep it all at home, they're going to uh, Sigma Gamma Rho, Rutgers University, had some issues with some ladies in hazing back in 2010. Um, mm -hmm. And that is where we're going to introduce Karen about uh, that. There was uh, ac accusations about hazing, denying of food, those type of things. Karen, do you want to uh, kind of not weigh in on this, but weigh in mm -hmm. on collectively, generally speaking, how 
our organizations are affected when a, a blemish like this comes up? Uh, it does a fair amount of damage. So, you know, for all of our organizations, hazing is illegal. Okay, that is something that is punishable by law. And you can and will go to jail. And you can and you will lose the privileges of being a member. So when something like this that happened at Rutgers University, and it's happened at other places too, it has. Um, uh, happens, we all kind of have to take a step back and mm -hmm. ask, what is it that we're trying to prove? So I know from my own experience, um, the membership intake process changed greatly mm -hmm. um, because even, you know, 15 years ago, there were issues of hazing. So having to go and recreate the membership intake process, how long that's supposed to go, um, timelines and such to ensure that these things weren't happening. But of course, we have people doing things on the underground. Mm with hazing. I think we all do have that underground and it's a question I'll ask at the very end. We're not going to leave our wonderful fraternities out. Salisbury University had an incident back in 20 uh, I want to say 15 when it came to uh, hazing they were asked to uh, leave Salisbury University due okay. to hazing for two years for Phi Beta Sigma. Ty, you want to weigh in on the blemish and how your organization is rectifying that and how we collectively can move forward from things like this taking place? Well, first off, we do not condone hazing whatsoever. Uh, one of the things that our organization does is we conduct membership intake process training on a yearly basis mm -hmm. for our graduate and collegiate members mm -hmm. to yeah. ensure this is how you bring members into this organization. We are a corporation. We must protect our brand. We must protect our shield. You know, we're striving to be an organization of constant brand excellence our community. So everything that you do, everything that you say, needs to be done with dignity, respect, and protecting the members of the organization, the new members coming into the organization, as well as the organization itself. So we actively train and make sure that Anyone that's conducting um, intake processes are appropriately trained and signed off on how to conducting these kind of intake processes. Thank you. Now, I'm not going to just uh, put our guest on the line. I will speak about our blemish, too. For uh, AKA, as we are known, there were uh, three, uh, there were two young ladies at an institution. I'm not going to say the name because it would be very easy to look up on that one. But uh, the Alpha chapter i'll say that and uh the two ladies wanted to go become members in undergraduate all of us uh who are uh bglos have an undergraduate where you can become a member and undergraduate and then you're you continue on to your service afterwards you transfer supposed to transfer to a graduate chapter and um these two ladies wanted to join undergraduate and for whatever reason that did not take place um, because of quotas and they were considered to be legacies. So these two young ladies and their mothers who are a part of the organization did lodge a, a lawsuit back in 2014. And uh, as it sat 
um, at the time, the sorority and the university won the suit that was brought by them of being members of the organization and emotional stress. Um, for me, I would say that it is very hurtful that any time, regardless of, and I would use BGLO as a template, but it hurts my heart when we have, um, what's the word I want to say, suits brought and lodged against any within a black-on-black -black experience. And it's just wrong. Um, it wastes resources. It wastes time. Mm -hmm. it, and it, dis, it besmirches the organization and the persons who lodged it. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's just, it does not do anybody right on both sides. It's just a hurtful situation. Uh, so that's all I'm going to say about that. But I would like to ask a general question of the, of the group. As we are looking at this moving forward, how do you think all of all of us, I agree, have revisited our intake processes? All of us have a collective, you know, individually and collectively have looked at our intake process. All of us have taken a look at the types of individuals we invite or allow into our organizations. We have done that, too. But moving forward, how do you see us changing and growing as institutions, as groups, to serve the needs of our community? And not just the black community, but the community collectively. Mm -hmm. What do you see our future looking like? Uh, well, I would probably say that we'll probably all end up going back to the basics of why we all were founded in the first place. And that we wanted to be a force for good in the communities that we are a part of and trying to find the various ways in which to do that, um, taking the ego out of it and really trying to ensure that we are caring for those as much as we care for ourselves. So I think it's gonna take a, like a really hard, hard look at what it is that we're not only just doing, but how we are looking at that return on investment. You know, we say that we're going to do things for the community, then we need to be doing that. But here's my question. We're supposed to be the talented tip. We're supposed to be the elitist of them all. Are we really doing our job as being the leaders, being the ones who have the information and the strength and the fortitude and the money and the power and the clout to move agendas forward? Or are we, are we kind of watering ourselves down to be more relatable to our communities? Are we bringing them I, I to think, us or are we going to them? I think we are going to them. I think as um, organizations across the board, we're still A, the most visible. If you go through the document, yes, we all have these incidences in our past that put blemishes on our record. But if you look at everyone's track record, we have more successes and impact of what we're doing in our community versus not. So we are making a positive impact on the communities, and I think we will continue to make positive impact on them. Um, we look forward to continue to mentor and educate the members within our organization to become better members that can serve this over time. So that now it's not just, hey, I get to put on the T-shirt and I get to go blue fire, you know, and all that stuff. It's here's the other things that we're being trained and prepared for and educated on to help us serve our communities better and be increasing that visibility you know for any event that's going on they're looking for our colors yeah. they're looking you know so one they're looking for the numbers to show, make sure you're showing up in numbers and True. making sure you're doing the right thing True. yes know? and if you're not yeah you're going to get talked about yeah right because you're always going to be on the spotlight you it's are right consideration. Yeah, i think it's not so much spotlight as soon as you put on the letters regardless of what they are and, and i will also say when you put on 
the responsibility of leadership, whether it's in your personal life or even in your community service or in your work, when you put those on, you automatically become a role model. So it, it is very important that we understand what this is and how it's a lifelong commitment. Um, we're coming to an end. So let me just say that I want to say thank you to our guests. Thank you for coming on and sharing your perspectives. And understand, again, that this is an organization. We are not speaking about our respective organizations. We are just giving insights and in our, our feedback on what we see on the landscape of black and green letter organizations. Again, thank you, Karen. Thank you, Ty. I cannot wait to do this again. Uh, This has been your guest. This has been your host, Dr. Tasha Toy for Toy Talk. No batteries included. If you would like to give us some feedback, please email us at toytalk, the number two, the letter U at gmail.com or follow us on toytalk2.blogspot. Dot com And, of course, we are always on Twitter at Toy Talk 2. And if you have anything that you'd like to share, please do. Thank you very much. Have a good day. It has been Toy Talk. <laughs>